We gotta go to the bullpen. Hello MLB fans around the world and a warm welcome to the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. Now with the Olympics in full swing, let's see if myself, Alan, Yorkshire Dave and Dave Jr. can produce a gold medal winning performance on this week's podcast. Now, Dave Jr., I think it was last week you were talking about how three of their teams among the bullpen had a realistic shot at the playoffs this year. And being a Mariners fan, I've learned not to dare to dream over the past 20 years, because that's how long it's been since the Mariners have made it to the postseason. But we have had another remarkable week. And I know I said that we really needed to come out ahead against the Oakland A's there. We were really hoping to get, you know, at the very least, a kind of 3-1 result out of that series, and we managed to do that. And that's the gap closed. Uh, are now at, at the, the top end of the AL West. We're now just a game back, as we speak just now, from the Oakland A's, or just off second place. You know, we are at the moment in with a realistic shout of the playoffs as well, and it's a position I couldn't have, have dreamed of back in April, to be honest with you. Like, we're looking at moving forward, but we've kind of surpassed expectations. And again, we are winning games in a really remarkable way. You know, three of our last four matches as we speak tonight have been one-run victories again. The Mariners are just the best in the league when it comes to finding a way to narrowly win games. You know, we saw off these 4-3, 5-4 and and 4-3 in the three games that we defeated them in, you know, getting those single tough victories. And then the Astros, uh, that wasn't a one-run victory. It was pretty remarkable, though, trailing by seven runs and then blasting our way back to see off the Astros 11-8. So it's been an incredible week for the Mariners as well. And and with a trade deadline looming, I do wonder now if there actually might be a, a case for the Mariners to be brave and bold and to actually take a bit of a chance with trades, invest a bit, because they might not get this kind of opportunity again for a while, because where they are just now is a great platform to reach this season's MLB playoffs. And I'm not sure either either, either or both, Daves, what you've made of the Mariners so far this season and whether fans like myself are right to dare to dream. If you can't dare to dream after, how many games are we, 90? 90 games in? Oh, yeah, ninety games is is a substantial you know, effort. We're not talking about Scottish football, and you're ahead after six games of the season. Uh, you know, the Mariners uh, really exciting to watch as well, Richard. From an outsider's point of view, I think that's that's got to be a tough series of fixtures. Whoever you are, either travelling to Seattle or welcoming welcoming them to your home venue. Uh, really good, solid team. I know it was coming up for about a month ago now. Yeah, I wasn't looking forward to it. I think the Mariners came to Chicago and and, and won two one in that three game series. Uh, but no, the Mariners are really good, solid, interesting outfit, and there's absolutely no reason. Uh, even if you're not involved in postseason, I think you'll be in amongst the conversation still towards the end of September. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, you sort of concentrate on your own team, don't you? Because they're playing every day. 
you know, he, especially if you're watching the game and doing a little bit of preparation for this, you can't always spend that much time on, on the other teams. But it hasn't gone unnoticed because uh, your players are doing us a turn in our fantasy league, aren't they? And, uh, you know, keep noticing... Uh, uh, was it Dylan, Dylan Moore? Did he get? Was it him who got the grand slam last yep. night? Dylan yeah, grand slam. I saw that, and uh, you know, our friend, uh, the, the Astros uh, from, uh, fan from their, their podcast, Rob Fontenot. I saw his tweet. He says the Astros were six uh, nothing up when I went to bed last night. What happened? So I watched the condensed game, and uh, it's it's a great skill to have, isn't it? To come back from behind, find a way to win, and. Uh, only five or six games back from from the division, aren't they? So they must be pretty close uh, in terms of the wild card. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is. And I think that comeback, the nature of it, and yeah, you're right, Dylan Moore's grand slam in, in the eighth innings was, was what made the difference at the end. But had they not had a season in which they have found ways to win and they have beaten the odds and they have come back, I'm not sure they would have turned that round last night as well. So it's that momentum thing, that belief that grows throughout, you know, all the games of Major League Baseball season. And yeah, Dave Jr., we've actually just cracked the century mark. We're just past the 100 game mark now into the season as well. So it seems a good time to actually reflect on, you know, what our teams have achieved so far. And and for the White Sox as well, Dave Jr., I know it's been a little bit more up and down of late for, for the White Sox as well. What have you made of the recent performances and results. Uh, just before going to that, I think Dave's spot on about the, the wildcard place. The Mariners are one game back. Uh, and again, just to sort of top that off, one game behind Oakland. And Oakland are just a complete, you know, they are just about guaranteed to be in the playoffs year in, year out. So to be one game back at this stage, Richard, again, just to repeat ourselves, great, great placing just now for the Mariners. Uh, the White Sox, again, this season's been really, really strange. Um, injuries throughout, you know, the, the kind of batting order uh, really took its toll, and we've been really quite blessed to have such a fantastic uh, pitching rotation. Uh, you know, at least four of the five guys, potentially the five guys themselves, all of that uh, other burger chains are available. Uh, four, four of those five guys are having great seasons. Lance Lynn, game after game, continues to. Uh, eke his way towards any more records or uh, potential Cy Young awards um, and it's, it's really quite interesting when you're talking about pitching and the Cy Young awards I'm not sure if we've ever spoken about this before in the show um, but when they're comparing American League pitchers to, to National League there was something I was listening to a couple of more well-versed students of the game than myself recently and they were saying well National League Every ninth batter, you're thrown at a pitcher, and you know. So, so the, the record should be a little bit better. And in a game when we're looking at uh, three decimal, you know, three points after the decimal point, uh, you really are looking at the, the minutest of details. So, anyway, we're really happy with everything that Lance is doing just now. He's extended his contract. He's very happy to be in Chicago. Now, as for the White Sox recently. Um, tied the series against Minnesota, which is a shame. It'd have been nice to just knock them out of the running. Uh, really tricky uh, fixture away at the Brewers, uh, where we came away. We managed to pick up a win on the, in the third game, uh, but overall lost the series 2 1. 
We've got some really interesting divisional games coming up. We've got four against Kansas City, who took the first one last night in Chicago. Oh, sorry, in Kansas City. Uh, then we've got three at home against the Indians and a further three at home against Kansas. All of those games are potentially winnable. Uh, any baseball games winnable, but those would be huge to to start stealing a march, especially on the Indians. I think White Sox have got the perhaps the largest margin uh, in any division in baseball just now. But to really strengthen that what, during a time of injuries would be great. Uh, talking about injuries, we have uh, Eloy Jimenez came back to make his debut for the season last night. Oh uh, for four. But he was just happy to be back. The guys were really happy to have him back in the, the clubhouse. Um, and he will uh, be, a, be a big factor going forward. Uh, just before I move on, though, and a little bit of White Sox news, I'm not sure if you guys kept in touch with the latest in the Yerman Mercedes uh, debacle this week. So as a bit of a hero at the start of the season, fading out towards the All-Star break, uh, optioned down to AAA, uh, he seemed to take a bit of a huff and announce his retirement um, in the last week. And then a couple of nights later, decided, hey, guys, I'm back. So, <laughs> um, again, it seems maybe, uh, again, we've spoken about before, what a really interesting career to date so far. He's put in all this effort. You can't toss it away after being sent back to the, the lower leagues for a little while. The White Sox are blessed with options. He was not hitting well. Sometimes you just got to take your medicine uh, for the good of the team, have some other guys come up and, and earn their spot. So, uh, not a really good time for the White Sox. Um, Dave, are the, the Red Sox progressing seem to be, again, marching on towards that um, American League East title. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dave. Um, they, they've had a good week, a really good week, and they are still top of the AL East, although, you know, despite having the best record in the American League and nobody in, in, in MLB has more wins than Boston at 62. Maybe the, the Giants, I think, maybe sitting on 62 wins as well. They're only a game and a half um, clear of the, of the race, although they've um, got a bit of distance between themselves and uh, the, uh, the Jays and uh, the Yankees, who they've been playing quite a lot recently. And, um, you know, I've got to talk about Game four, Sunday afternoon. Um, let's, let me quote uh, Dave O'Brien of uh, New England, uh, Essendon, uh, Nesson, New England Sporting Network. He says, the game of the year. And uh, who am I to argue with it? You know, watched it with him. Um, this was a game where the Yankees star to uh, Domingo Herman um, was um, sitting on a no-hitter going into the eighth inning. So the, the the Red Sox box score, you know, looked like a sort of Great Britain scorecard from the Eurovision. It was just a string of zeros, no runs, no hits, no arrows, zero, zero, zero. And there were four, four nothing down. And um, the Yankees had come back the day before to, uh, to beat the Red Sox 4-3, so that was 2-1 in a four-game series. So, you know, it was looking very much like uh, the Yankees going to square the series, get a game back on them, and, uh, you know, there could be a bit of momentum going. And as I say, um, their starting pitcher was was throwing great, and um, 
He, uh, th there was one great defensive, terrific defensive play. Have a look at the condensed game on this one. I don't know if you do that on MLB, but normally it's about seven minutes. This is nearly 10 minutes long. And there's um, one defensive play in the fifth or sixth inning that kept the no-hitter uh, going that they weren't really talking about. But, um, yeah, there was a, a, a sharp shot to uh, the, the shortstop, Glaber Torres, and he did one of those jump throws. Um, so it was on a twist in the air, and he throws the ball to... Um, first base to get the sixth three out and yeah it's a play that's uh, always associated with that other great Yankee shortstop Derek Jeter I think the commentator says you know it's a Jeter-esque type, type play and um, also in the condensed game again it's not the uh, New England uh, commentator but he comes up with some good ones and it was that Rook, Rook I can never pronounce his name Rooknet Odor who hit, um, hit a home run and they said, Jut the door, oh door. <laughs> That's his latest one. For him. He's the one who does the uh, uh, all rise, here comes the judge, and one or, one or two others for, for the Yankees. Uh, but on the way in the seventh inning, a very interesting thing happened. And I wonder if any of you guys have, have ever heard of, I haven't really looked it up to see how rare it is, but... Uh, the pitcher, Herman, he got he struck out four guys in the same inning. Now, how would that be possible? Is it possible? You know, three, three, three guys up and down and you're out. But so let me get this. He was still on a no-hitter, remember. He struck out four Red Sox batters in the one inning. Um, the first up was the, the, the sort of rookie Jaron Duran. He struck out for the third time. Um, straight away, so that was one out. Bogarts was next up, and he, he was on a 2-2 count, and Jermaine threw a pitch, which um, Bogart struck on a miss, but the catcher dropped the ball, and as such, it went to the backstop. As such, the batsman, if the first base is, is um, pretty happy, I'm not, I'm never absolutely sure of this rule, but you see them sometimes running, don't you, and you wonder why, but they're allowed to if the catcher drops the ball on the third strike, if he's swung at it, is and the first base is free, he's allowed to to run, to try and get to first base. Well, he made it to first base, but the pitcher is awarded a strikeout, and the batter Bogarts is scored as reaching first base on a pass ball. So then he proceeds to um, strike out. Uh, Devers with three pitches and he um, yeah Martinez was next up and he struck him out uh, retiring side so he got four strikeouts um, in the one inning and a pass ball it's still four nothing the Yankees and he's still on a no hitter so um, I'll, I'll speed this up I don't want to take up all the program, but uh, get quite excited with these with these things. So, because he's on a no hitter, his pitch count is quite high. I think it's ninety two. But the commentator says he's he's pitched, he's thrown over a hundred pitches a couple of times this this season. And the manager's not going to take a guy out who was on a was a no hitter in the eighth. So he's 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 um, he's pitching in in the eighth for nothing up um but 
Verdugo breaks the no-hitter almost straight away and gets a double. So immediately the New York manager is out, takes him out of the game, which is which is fair enough. Then um, Jonathan, <laughs> his, his surname is just a string of vowels. Louis Iger, don't know if you've heard of him before, but I think he's a Nicaraguan guy, but he came out of the bullpen and... It didn't go well for him. I'll, I'll sort of speed this up a bit because um, remember, no hits so far, but he gave up, well, one hit to get Padugo on. Then there was a further four hits in a row from back to back hits from the Boston. Um, uh, well, it's a, it started off with the bottom order and ended up with the top of the order, and they squared it up and uh, then went ahead for to make it 5-4. Loisiaga got taken out of the game. I think Zach Britton came in. So after near seven full innings of no hit, he, I don't think Loisiaga got a guy out and he gave up um, four or five runs. Well, one will be charged to a man. So at the start, I read um, um, Ian Brown's report on the game on MLB. And he set it up with each hit, saying that according to StatCast, what the win probability was. And at the 4 nothing first pitch of the eight, the win percentage probability was 3.5%. And uh, Boston came back to, to win 5-4. And um, yeah, Matt, Matt Barnes closed it out in the ninth. And of course, the Red Sox being at home didn't have to come out. Um, so, and just when you thought that the Red Sox might be running out of late inning magic, they did something similar last night against the against the Blue Jays. They were down. They were down again in the eighth inning and came back. Um, Alex Verdugo getting a two run homer. Um, and who knows what's going to happen tonight? But it's Puerto Rican um, heritage night tonight at Fenway. And um, Alex Cora, the manager's Puerto Rican. Uh, Christian Vasquez, um, the catcher, is also um, Puerto Rican, and so is Kike Hernandez, and they all had a hand in that great win on Sunday, so they'll be taking an extra special bow. Alex Verdugo as well, he's, he's, uh, he's not Puerto Rican, but he's my favourite, I thought of him, and uh, Lorraine, I don't know why she looked it up, but Lorraine pointed out that his name in Spanish Verdugo um, means either the butcher or the executioner. So he's certainly uh, living up to that name at the moment. So uh, it's worth uh, checking out some of these Spanish surnames as well. We could make it a feature of our programs because I think some of them do translate as uh, pretty, pretty good into English. So that's it from me. <laughs> no, it's terrific, Yorkshire Day. Thanks for that. And actually, and, and the, when we talk about things that are worth checking out and we talk about Puerto Rico and its huge contribution to baseball history, we'd encourage you to check out one of our earlier episodes in which Yorkshire Dave talks about Roberto Clemente, probably the greatest player ever to come out of Puerto Rico as well. So we'd encourage you to check back through earlier bullpen episodes and get hold of some nuggets like that. Now, we've heard... Uh, Dave Jr. has told us how Mercedes has stalled. Yorkshire Dave has told us how the Red Sox continue to motor ahead 
Alan, what has been happening with the Tigers? Yeah, mo mo in Motor City, what what's happening? Uh, motoring at all? Well, yeah, they seem to. They were motoring along with their seven-game winning streak. Uh, they've now gone onto a skateboard, I think, possibly skating along. Um, four defeats in a row now, so it's all it's all very bizarre. It's it's a classic example to me of. Um, how baseball is so unusual that yeah the Tigers aren't a great team, um, we, we all know that. But they're on this great run, things are going well. Games vary from day to day because the pitcher changes and because the opposition pitcher changes. But I can't get my head around this seven winning game onto a four-game losing streak, and it's very bizarre when you read the reaction from from Tigers fans. And if you're a a long-term die-hard fan, you probably see this chink of light and think things are going well, and then all of a sudden they go poorly again. I'm still confident they're they're twelve for eight in July, twelve eight in July. So, with five games left, I would hope we win in July. We have a winning July, which will be three consecutive winning months. Uh, AJ Hinch pointed out that if if you win every month, then you'll potentially get yourself to the playoffs. Okay, we're not there yet. Uh, we're only talking May, June, July, and April precludes us from getting into the playoffs. Um, I've talked about our pitching has done. We, we've done well. Got a few young guys have come in and pitched well, but obviously a couple of the big names uh, have, have gone out. And our friend Spencer Turnbull, uh, uh, we're fond of him in the Highland bullpen, not just for being a tiger, but being a bull. Uh, he's getting Tommy John surgery. Uh, so it's been a tough old stint for the pitchers. Young guys have done well. I'm a pest. I'm an optimist. Um, I'll, 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 I'll stick with my view that the Tigers are on the right track. Um, easier for me to say that, as I say, than maybe some of the guys who are investing a lot of time and money in, in supporting the, the Tigers. But uh, yeah, um, it's it's a tough one. It's 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 hard to it's hard to understand. But that's some of the the lovely things about baseball and how it's how it froze us completely. When we watch football, we tend to have a good idea of who's going to win most games. We tend to we we don't see the poor teams going seven games winning runs. We don't see the good teams going four game losing runs. Uh, so there's something magical about baseball there. And at the tender age of 55, I hope I've got plenty more to learn and find out how that goes over the next however many years. Is 55 not a number close to your heart anyway, Alan? No, is that not quite a good number for you? I think I think there might be a couple of us have got an objective to try to drop that number into the conversation uh, every time we turn up here now, Richard. If, uh, but good, good spot. I hadn't even crossed my mind. That's what uh, I was referencing. Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll remove it in the editing, Alan. Have no fear. Have no fear. But it's uh, the thing is, I guess, Alan, as well, that as you see, it's all about the fact these are happening in streaks or in batches. Because if someone said to you 11 games ago, out of the next 11 games, you'll win seven of them, 
you'd have been delighted. It's the fact that, as you say, it's yeah. east of a famine with the Tigers at the moment. And in Yorkshire, Dave, is that difference, that lack of consistency, is that what separates you know the Tigers, who, with all due respect, are a team that are still trying to find, maybe to still try to find their way, and possibly in the up curve as well, but against the more complete outfits who will be contesting the playoffs at the end of the season? Yeah, um, I think both um, both teams have got good managers. I think that makes a big difference. I think that's you know really what has uh, uh, sparked the Red Sox off. Um, I think the Red Sox are also, although they're pretty much always competitive to a certain degree, apart from last year, um, they they you know they always spend a lot of money and they've usually got a few stars. But I think they're concentrating on their prospects. Uh, and their own sort of, the, you know, farm system. And I think something similar is going on at the um, Tigers as well. I think they're, you know, they're looking for maybe not success this season or even next season. But, you know, in the next couple of seasons, you would hope to see them uh, come through as a playoff team and contender. You know, what makes a difference between you know, actually winning the World Series. Well, you look at someone like, you know, the trade deadline, which we haven't talked about a great deal. Um, but you, you look at some of the teams like the Dodgers, and you would think, well, where, where, how do they need to improve? And they're, you know, they're talking about uh, picking up Max Scherzer, aren't they? I think who's you know one of the top starting pitchers around. So, you know, these you know, the Yankees um, have done it over the years as well, you know, they're already competitive. They're already pretty much guaranteed to get in the playoffs and then come the deadline, you know, they make a big trade. Whether the Red Sox will do anything, I don't know. I don't. Sometimes when you trade, you have to give up some of your prospects and I don't think they want to do that. Uh, I was listening to a couple of podcasts, at Tony Maz uh, pod, podcast, and they really, you know, he doesn't, doesn't, um, mess about and uh, he, he was getting stuck into poor old Bobby Goldbeck who I quite like at first base but his numbers aren't that you know great and that is the one area where they're saying perhaps the Red Sox might um, go for an established uh, first reliable first baseman maybe a lefty maybe platoon with uh, um, one of the other uh, you know, Goldbeck or uh, Arroyo, well, he's injured at the moment, but they've got a few options. But you know, um, that's kind of the thinking, isn't it? You know, what's the missing piece that we need to not just make the playoffs, but make an impact when we get there? Yeah, it, 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 I find it, it it's intriguing as well. As I've got more into baseball, I've sort of seen the the importance of the the pitchers and why they. Are loading up and bringing a lot of young pitchers and that through, but I think one of my objectives, and maybe for for ourselves to look at, is understanding the different skills and the different positions that, that people are taking. Because you then look at it and you think, well, you really want somebody who can hit the the ball well, who's going to get hits, who's going to get home runs, going to get RBIs. But I wonder what the balance is between somebody who if if you've got two guys who you think are going to hit at 250, what, or, or somebody's hitting at 240 and somebody's hitting at 260, why would you pick the 240 guy? What 
extra skills do you see in the defensive positions that's really going to make a difference there? Or as we looked when we talked about the Fantasy League last week, the importance of getting guys who can steal bases because that's that's a skill in itself. It's a bit like, yeah, is that like your, your footballer who can take the dead ball situation? Uh, stealing bases is... It's, that's not just a bit of fun and a bit of excitement for the fans. That's a critical part of helping the team score at the right time. It has an extra dimension to play. But, you know, like Red Sox don't, don't run too much either. But this guy that brought up the Duran, he's very quick. And I um, can't remember which game it was, but they brought him in. There's another one where they, you know, they're coming back from behind and they brought him in in the, probably the last inning it was as a pinch runner. Um, and um, he, you know, he, he never had an at bat, but he scored a run, um, in a comeback yeah. win. So, you know, it just shows you that uh, baseball is a game where sometimes it come, can come down to these real fine points, and you, you've got to be able to do everything, I think, to be a real top team. Could I ask another question as well? It, it crossed my mind when Dave was talking about the the Red Sox and the no-hitter. And you made the valid point that the manager's not going to take a guy who's on a no-hitter in the seventh or eighth inning out. And when I watch a game of football and you've got a guy who's on a hat-trick with 10 minutes to go and the manager takes him off, there's always a little tinge of disappointment in me when that happens, but you understand it. So what, what what's the equivalent to letting a guy stay on the pitch in football to letting a pitcher stay on for an eighth or ninth inning when you think his arm might be getting a, a, a wee bit tired? When, when would you leave a player who shouldn't be on the pitch on the pitch in football? Well, Alan, one thing I would say is, let's say your guy scored two goals, so he's on a hat-trick. So hat-trick, for those that don't know, is three goals in one game in football slash soccer. I guess the difference might be that if you're on track for a no-hitter in baseball, yeah, your team's probably in a good position, but you might, you know, it might be there might be very few runs in the game. Whereas in football, if if one of your guys scored two goals, perhaps another one of your players has scored perhaps you're yeah. three nil up with fifteen minutes to go, twenty minutes to go, and at that point you'd be more relaxed about leaving a, a tired player on who's maybe got the opportunity to go for that yeah. for the hat trick. Is that possibly something, Dave Junior, that you think might be a slight difference between the two sports? Yeah, I mean, the, the baseball, at that point, the pitching stat resets. Uh, okay, not overall for the for the, the team and the opposition score, but the, the individual stats reset to zero pitches and so on. Whereas if your team's two up in football, it doesn't really matter who scores a third. It goes in. Um, so, no, it's, it's an interesting point, though, Al. It's, um, it's well worth bearing in mind. That sort of sympathy... Uh, or the understanding of an occasion between manager and player. I'd imagine that that differs across all clubs, all managers, all players. Um, even in the footballing world, there's some guys that a manager just might not dare take off if they've scored twice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the very best goal scorers in football history tend to be the ones who are the most askance and angry at being taken off when they're chasing a hat-trick because they tend to be goody for goals, the same way the best baseball players are are greedy for runs, and, and one man who's certainly greedy for runs and who can certainly do everything, as you mentioned just a few moments ago, Yorkshire Dave, is Shohei Otani, 
obviously annoyed at not winning the home run derby. There being something that he hasn't dominated in the world of baseball this season. He then went and made a bit of history uh, just a game the other night against the Colorado Rockies, getting a hit, an RBI and a stolen base. Talking about stealing bases as well. So by getting the hit RBI and stolen base, Otani became the first pitcher to get all three in an American League game since Louis Tiant did so for Minnesota back in April of 1970. So first time in more than half a century. That's Were you been around then, so- Richard? What's that, Alan? Were you around then? I remember it well. I remember being very impressed, Alan. I would suggest that given you've fessed up to being halfway through your sixth decade, Alan, that perhaps you're not in a position to make an age gags. Uh, did, but- did he pitch in that game? Yes, sorry, Otani talking about there. Yeah, yes. no, I was wondering if it was because he was a pitcher or because he pitched in that game, but yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I uh, know, I did uh, just, uh, it's just, I think we're running out of, if we had a list of superlatives, it'd be, we'd be having to write on both sides of the paper, I think, to describe Shohei Otani this season as well. And, and I noticed that his manager, Joe Madden, was saying he should be a shoe in a lock, a certainty to be the American League's. MVP this year and I guess that feels like a pretty hard one to argue against even with a third of the season left to go Chapeau as we would say in the cycling world <laughs> Absolutely Would anyone else gain say Shohei Otani unless there's something really remarkable happens in the rest of the American League season as the AL MVP I think It's hard to argue I don't know how because there's an MVP for the playoff and for the World Series, isn't it? So is the MVP then for the regular season? I think so, Yorkshire Dave. Yeah, I think it's the regular yeah. seasons. I don't think um, anyone's going to top like what he's done. There's plenty of good um, pitchers out there, isn't there? You know, like uh, the Grom. Uh, is he in the national? Yeah, he's national league, isn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. Just give him it now. Yeah, I mean, he leads, leads the league, uh, leads MLB in homers as well after hitting his 35th one of the season there against the Twins. Uh, and he's just brilliant box office, isn't he? What a star. And, and here's the fascinating thing when, again, jumping back to the football thing, the guy's playing for a team that are going to be nowhere near the playoffs. <laughs> and, and he's not, they're not going to trade him, I imagine, because he's he's the box office, he's the big star. Uh, what what are they going to get if they trade him? I'm assuming they're a relatively comfortable club. Well, given that market, given the market that exists in Allen, you, you'd have to think so as well, uh, wouldn't you? And I guess that ties in. And I, I don't entirely know the details of how Shoei ended up uh, with the Angels there, but I guess the wider piece about baseball is that because of the draft system, etc., that the teams that aren't as strong will get the opportunity to get the cream of the crop in terms of the draft system. Of course, he's been injured uh, most this year, but they've got, you know, probably the two, Mike Trout and Mike Trout, you know, he's pretty much acknowledged as the best baseballer around, isn't he? You know, you've got a, a team with two of the best players in the game. They had, they had the Puyols as well, didn't they? Did, did they trade him recently? Has he gone? I can't remember, but... You know, it, it just shows you that you need more than just, you need an all-round team, don't you? I, don't, I wouldn't know enough about the Angels to know 
what they're uh, lacking, what they need to to make the playoffs. But you would really, whatever you think about them as a club, you really would like to see Trout and uh, Otani in in the playoffs, wouldn't you? If not, if not the World Series. I also, in the car this morning, realised there's a fantastic company that could sponsor the Angels. It's a phone company, if you can guess where I'm going with this, and it's a Talk Talk. Uh, but they have a new advert where they talk about it being sense to move to Talk Talk, but they talk about it as sense sense. So I, I thought our pal Matthew might quite appreciate uh, listening to the sense sense of the talk talk for the the, the angels angels perfect <laughs> matchup absolutely no absolutely absolutely I guess then looking looking at it as we stand at the moment it's the a season we expected a season you know we're a hundred games in now we can start to think about how this season will be looked back upon I think. Uh, any major surprises for you, Alan? Anything that, that stood out as something you would never have predicted at the start of the season? The Tigers having a seven-game winning streak. <laughs> the, the Tigers heading for a, a third winning month out of four is quite impressive, which shows you how, how, how poor April was. Um, not, not, not particularly. I don't have any... I, I don't, I'm not looking at any of the other teams and sort of thinking... I don't understand how that's happened. Uh, I think it's uh, it, it's playing out well. A hundred games into it, loving it, enjoying it, pick, picking up more knowledge and information. Uh, the, the 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 biggest surprise must be the Highland bullpen holding their own in the fantasy league for the UK baseball podcasters in a a ten nil win last week. Uh, taking us back into the playoff places, um, uh, we we had good collaboration between the the management teams of uh, the management of the Highland bullpen last week. We got some boys in with stolen bases. I'm, I'm loving the saves and the holds. That this week we're up against uh, Angels over the pond. Uh, the LA Angels fans, obviously, one of my favourite sites for specific teams. Uh, the, the lads from Yorkshire, so that's always a, a, a good start uh, from, from our perspective, but uh, uh, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Give him a check out. He does a lot of work to, to pull things together. But I noticed your boy Graveman as well came in with a win last night, one of your relief relief pitchers at the Mariners. So he, he's done well and all. So that's probably the biggest surprise. I'm surprised it's maybe not talked about wider than uh, between ourselves that the lowly Highland bullpen can be fighting for a playoff place but hey there you go particularly given that we've kept it very much to our own clan so to speak Alan we've chosen players from our own teams from our four teams uh, uh, which obviously means that the, the Shohei, Shohei Otanis of the world are not available to us so we've yeah. chosen to go our own way, stick to our principles, and should definitely be considered as the rookies of the year, I reckon, in the British Baseball Podcast League. I think that would be a title we would fairly deserve if we can keep up this run. So well done to yourself, Alan, and, and Yorkshire Dave, who tend to be the, the coaching supremos. Uh, Dave Jr. I'm just thinking, you know, based on everything we've spoken about tonight, it uh, won't be long before we need to decide on our own MVP for the Highland Bullpen Fantasy yeah. League. 
Um, and again, I can guarantee it'll come from one of four teams, but um, yeah, it's, it's worth worth bearing in mind. Who do you think will top it on that one, Dave Junior? Do you know, I'm trying to think. You know, Dylan Moore must be on with a shout. Grand Slam Dylan as he was the other night. <laughs> Martinez has got to have a yeah. shout. Yeah. Tim Anderson. There's, yeah, there's been a few. It's it's interesting because what I think we maybe could... Some of the listeners might enjoy us having a wee chat about that one night because I think automatically I would look at who, who's got the most home runs, who's who's got the best average, but... I, I'm loving when you go down to the, the relievers who are getting the saves and the holds. They might only have pitched 12, 15, inning, 15 innings for us, but you just don't know the damage they're potentially doing in support of us. So I think that could be quite a good chat to go through the whole squad as we hopefully congratulate them at the end of the season. An appraisal. An appraisal. <laughs> that brings I mean, just, me back. Just look at those numbers now, Alan. And again, it brings... Seattle and Detroit straight to the fore. You look at Graveman and Soto. Yeah. Um, between them, they've contributed um, 30, 32 using the saves and holds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, it's something that we're slow to sort of react to in terms of the scoring mechanism for the league. Um, but that must, um, you know, they more than hold their own, I'd have thought. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And again, looking back a little bit, Yorkshire, Dave, I know the Red Sox at the start of the season. I was trying to say whether you were cautiously optimistic or slightly pessimistic. I'm trying to recall how I'd best describe how you thought the Red Sox would get on. But is it fair to say they've surpassed your, your expectations 100 games into the season? Definitely. I, I was quite optimistic because I do put a lot of faith in Alex Cora. And I think, you know, in any sport, a good manager makes a huge difference. And, uh, you know, I think quite recently, um, need to check this, but I think he got his 250th win as a Red Sox manager and um, his percentage in, in wins, you know, is outstanding. Obviously, he won the uh, World Series with them in his rookie year. It's not a unique feat, but I think there's only four or five managers ever done that. Um so I think he is the big difference and the organisation themselves, you know, quest, question them, you know, last last year, last season, probably the only the thing I couldn't understand was the Mookie Betts trade. And, uh, you, you know, the whole of that great outfield uh, that they had was traded. But you look at him now, my favourite player actually this year is Alex Verdugo. And he came uh, the other way from the Dodgers in in that trade and um, you know it really yeah I was optimistic but I never thought they'd be in this position there's still a long way to go but whatever happens they're a good team going in the right direction and if they don't make the playoffs or the World Series this year it won't be long before they're, you know they're back knocking at the door again with this uh, setup that they've got Yep, exciting times at Fenway. And, and for the week ahead, looking seven days from now, uh, Yorkshire, Dave, you know, you've got the Blue Jays. You've got a couple of, of series within your own division. Blue Jays first, first off, and you had the first of those today where you won 5-4. Maybe the most interesting one you've got coming up is the Rays, because you and the Rays are locked in quite a, a tussle at the top of that division. Yeah, definitely. These are the old sort of four-pointers or six-pointers in, in football terms, aren't they? So... You know, 
usually when when you you have a win, then you gain because it's the league tables done on percentages. Then you sort of uh, go ahead by half a game, don't you? But when when you play your opponent, you beat your opponent, then you go a point clear. So these these games against the, the New York Yankees, you know, you were seeing quite big swings. Um, if the Yankees had swept uh, the the Red Sox, that's a four game swing, and it could have put them as close as three or four games back from 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 the Red Sox. But <laughs> that didn't happen actually. So uh, you know, they're nine nine and a half games back. And you know that's quite big this time. It's not insurmountable, but yeah, the the three games against the Rays, that's looking like a fantastic matchup. And I see that one of them is a very nice uh, UK friendly time Sunday afternoon. So it'll be something like a, a ten past six first pitch for UK fans on uh, the first of August, which is Yorkshire Day. Even better. <laughs> I thought every day was Yorkshire Day, the way the, the <laughs> county's performing. I've seen the in the Olympic Games of Yorkshire as a country. I think it'd be in the top ten, I believe. Yeah, they've done uh, really well. It's not just I mean it's my old hometown Leeds. And uh, I, uh, again Lorraine had mentioned that the guy who won a gold for the, the, the mountain biking um was from Leeds. And then I was watching, you know, Tom Daly. Oh, what a fantastic achievement when uh, he you know, achieved his lifelong ambition to get a gold medal in the synchronized swimming. And they were interviewing the two guys, and yeah, you know, most of the questions were directed at Tom Then, and he's very good, isn't he? And then they switched to the other guy, I can't remember his name, but and he says, Who would you like to thank? So, like to thank mum and dad, gold people in Leeds. <laughs> yes, another one, superb. So, yeah. Makes you proud, doesn't it? You know, my brother lives in uh, Bermuda, and they won Bermuda won their first gold medal um, ever in their history. It's a, in terms of population, it's the smallest country ever to win a gold medal at, um, at a Summer Olympics. Flora, oh, I've got a second name. Duffy. Sorry, was it Duffy? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic achievement for Bermuda and and for Yorkshire and particularly Leeds as well. Yorkshire Day, my grandmother's from Leeds as well, so I've got a bit of an affinity for for the city as well. And yeah, so there's some some interesting but tough games coming up for the Red Sox, Dave Junior, and some kind of scheduling toughies coming up for you guys as well for the White Sox. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, and some good interdivisional games coming up. Shortly, but in August, you know, Dave was talking about the sort of idiosyncrasies of what can be thrown up by the the schedule. So in August, I, I think any team's got to look at this, regardless of, of who you are or what position you are. We've got th- three games against the Yankees. This is all in a row. Three at the Yankees, four with Oakland, three with Tampa Bay, and four with Toronto. And so it's no, you know, there's no breaks in between. That's just constantly against real top opposition and then to finish it you think okay we're against a weaker team um, but August is finished with a three game series against the Cubs and again it's although the Cubs aren't performing too well it's it's a you know, hometown rivalry so yeah I mean August could absolutely flip your, your fortunes on its head um, so it'll be interesting to see where the White Sox are going into that because again talking about performance against big teams I was listening to some stats the other night. The White Sox, 
really on a roll against uh, perceived lesser teams, or uh, I think the, the right way to, to say it is, you know, teams who at that moment in time have got a below 500 record, uh, but the White Sox record against winning teams uh, is really quite poor this year. Um, we've took the odd game from, from Boston, from the Yankees, from, from Houston, um, but we seem to really, you know, the teams that we should beat, we are beating. And that's what's perhaps pre- propelling us to the top of the division. Uh, Tony La Russa, our manager, was asked about it recently and he said, well, you might be better facing this type of opposition. You know, we've still got a very young team. You might be better facing these experiences now and getting them under your belt and losing them. Uh, and it just puts you in a bit of better stead for the post-season uh, when you're coming up against uh, these outfits. So no, it'll be interesting to see how it is going forward. But yeah, it's, it's just interesting that we, we do quite poorly against the better teams. Um, but again, winning the games that we, we should be winning. Well, I look forward to those contests as well. And I think it will be yeah, quite a, a revealing period of time for the White Sox as well. Uh, Dave Jr. For the Mariners, they've got big games coming up against the Astros and a couple of tough games. They came back great, obviously, uh, today, but that will be tough to to come out the next two with two victories as well. We've then got the Rangers, but beyond that, we've we've got a chance to help you out, Yorkshire Dave, because we've got the Rays as well in in a four-game series, and I know you'll be hoping that we can bring our good form at the Mariners into that one and help cement the Red Sox's place at the top of the division. Alan, to close out the show, what's ahead over the next seven days for your Tigers? And is it going to be a winning streak or a losing streak next? Oh, it was a winning streak for me, Richard. We lost last night to Twins. So we've got, I think, a couple of games against the Twins and then a couple of games against the Orioles. Uh, I mentioned before that continues our odd streak in July if the, t- the only team who the Tigers played that were above them in July were some team from Chicago called the White Sox. Obviously, we managed to to dump them. Uh, so, yeah, let, let's let's get back, let's get back roaring Tigers, and let's go and get some wins on the board uh, and and show we can do this and kill August off, and then look to kill July off, and then look to August, where I've not looked too far ahead, but I'm assuming if they gave us in the schedule, a fairly easy July. It might not continue through to August. That sounds good, Alan. And and listeners, tune in next week to find out who's celebrating and who's crying after the next seven days' results in Major League Baseball for the White Sox, the Red Sox, the Mariners and the Tigers. But until then, on behalf of myself, Yorkshire Dave, Dave Jr and Alan, have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time on the Highland Bullpen. (laughs) 